Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for coming to take another deep dive into crime with us. As always, please be sure to check out our episode description. There you will find our timestamps, as well as our links to our TikTok and Instagram, and our support link to help us out over here at Crime Dive. Today's case is especially close to my heart. I don't think you guys know this about me because I've never said it, but the people in my life definitely do. I love Selena Quintanilla, like wholeheartedly. Although she had passed away before I was born, I just feel this connection to her when I listen to her music. I would watch videos of her on YouTube and just fell in love with her aura and her vibe. She just seemed so positive. She was beautiful, extremely talented, and she just seems like a very genuine person. I have a poster in my room that is a collage of Selena pictures, as well as a portrait of her in my room. Once I start doing video, you guys are definitely going to see it. I can't believe I haven't done this case until now. I've had the research for it for a long time, actually. I'm just now deciding to do it. Her birthday is actually in four days. I'm recording this on April 12th, 2023, and her birthday is on April 16th. With that, let's just get right into her case. Selena Quintanilla was born on April 16th, 1971 in Lake Jackson, Texas. Her parents' names were Abraham Quintanilla and Marcella Samora, which is honestly a very beautiful name. Selena had a brother named Abraham who went by AB and a sister named Suzette. This family was very tight knit. They did everything together. They were very close. I'm sure you all have seen the movie. I've seen the movie a thousand times and you can really tell in this movie that they're very tight knit. Abraham was pretty strict on the kids. He did not play when it came to them behaving and them just staying on task. He was a very hands-on father. Now, Abraham actually joined a band called the Los Dinos in 1957, but he decided to leave the band to help raise his family. His heart was always with music. He always wanted to be involved in music in some sort of way. And when Selena was six years old, he heard her sing and he realized, oh my gosh, my daughter can sing. At that moment, he decided he was gonna start training the family into becoming musicians. In 1981, when Selena was 10 years old, Abraham started Selena y Los Dinos, which was their family band. AB was on bass guitar and Suzette was on the drums. And of course, Selena was the lead singer. Now, they decided that they were going to play Tejano music, and it's a Spanish-speaking music, but Selena didn't know how to speak Spanish. Now, Selena and her family, they decided to take the band very, very seriously, and they released six studio albums as a group altogether. They toured around the country as a child group, which is a pretty demanding schedule for young children. Oftentimes, they had to miss a lot of school because they were always traveling with the band. In 1980, Abraham and Marcella decided to open up a restaurant restaurant called Papagayos, where the kids would perform. There was a stage in the restaurant for the kids to perform just so they could get some more exposure. This was also another way for the family to bring in money so they weren't solely relying on the kids. Unfortunately, the recession of 1983 happened and Papagayos had to close and the Quintanillas were forced to move away from their home and settle down in Corpus Christi. So because Papagayos was now shut down, Selena y Los Dinos was the family's sole source of income, which is a lot of pressure on children. They would play at weddings, they would play at clubs, they would do everything they could to just 
try to keep their family afloat. I mean, this was how they put food on the table. And a lot of Selena's influences at this time were said to be Janet Jackson, Madonna, and Whitney Houston. In 1986, she won Female Vocalist of the Year at the Tejano Music Awards, and this was her first ever award. She won Female Entertainer of the Year at the Tejano Music Awards nine times in a row between 1988 and 1996. And 1996, of course, was after she had already passed away, and she won that one posthumously. This was a really big deal for a woman in the Tejano industry because Tejano was male dominated. She just came in and took everything by storm. In 1989, Selena Elosinos signed with EMI Latin and she released a self-titled album that same year. In 1990, she released Ben Conmigo and this album gave her the honor of being the first female Tejano artist to achieve gold record status. After this, the rest was pretty much history. She was on a meteoric rise to fame. Selena did not let that get to her head at all. She was still just as sweet and genuine and humble as possible. Selena was always said to be so kind. She saw the best in everyone and she made herself very accessible to her fans because she just wanted to be relatable. She came from very humble beginnings, so she never saw herself as a celebrity. She saw herself as just being Selena. In 1990, AB decided to recruit a guitarist for Selena y Los Dinos and his name was none other than Chris Perez. Chris was just absolutely taken with Selena. He thought she was gorgeous. He thought she was amazing. She was that girl, so it's not surprising at all. Chris actually left his girlfriend in San Antonio to be with Selena, but they couldn't just be together all out in the open. Abraham was very, very strict. To him, Selena was like his prized possession and he didn't want any man coming in, distracting her, especially not somebody who he saw as a seedy musician. He did not want them being a thing at all. He would have never liked the idea of them being together. So Selena and Chris began secretly dating behind Abraham's back, really behind everybody's back. She knew that if her father found out, he would would be pissed. And that's exactly what happened. The whole band was on the way to a gig during their tour when Abraham saw Selena and Chris hugging and he decided to stop the bus in Harlingen, Texas at around 2 or 3 a.m. He literally told Selena, and you can see this scene in the movie. I'm pretty sure this is exactly how it happened though. The family was very involved in the movie, so I'm assuming that it's pretty accurate. He pretty much threatened to break up the band if Selena stayed with Chris and he fired him right there on the spot and abandoned him in a a burger parking lot. So Selena was kind of like, okay, you know, that sucks. As you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, Abraham, he didn't play about Selena. He was like, I don't want you dating my daughter. I think Abraham just didn't know him. I think he just assumed that, oh, he's just one of those musicians. He only wants you for your money. And because you're beautiful, like he's not really going to take care of you. But Selena knew that Chris was different. She decided to chase after him. And she was like, you know what? The only way that my father is going to accept us is if we get married right now. And Chris is kind of like, whoa, what you mean? She was like, that's literally the only way. If we don't get married, he's not going to take us seriously. That's pretty ballsy to do when you have such a strict father. I, my dad's not even that strict and I wouldn't do that. She was pretty bold. And on April 2nd, 1992, Chris and Selena eloped. 
she was only 20 years old and he was 22. Now looking back, that's pretty young, but you gotta look at the type of person Selena was. She had been working for pretty much her whole life, supporting her family. She wasn't in school a whole lot. She grew up much earlier and faster than I think most people did. So she probably felt like she was a little bit older in their defense, because that is really young. Of course, you see this on the movie, the radio announced their secret marriage immediately and Selena was scared, but eventually Abraham did end up accepting them. So let's go back a little bit to the year before Selena and Chris got married. In 1991, a woman named Yolanda Saldivar attended a Selena concert and she became a huge fan of hers almost instantly. She decided to contact Abraham about forming a fan club for Selena. This would be a great way to get her face out there more, a way for her to connect with her fans so that way they could feel more of like a community and this could really help boost her popularity. This was actually a really good idea. Abraham was all for it and Throughout the four years that Yolanda was president, she actually gained thousands of members. Yolanda Saldivar was born on September 19, 1960 in San Antonio, Texas. She was actually 11 years older than Selena and she was working as a registered nurse at the time she met Selena and went to her concert. But she really wanted to be involved with Selena's career and help boost her popularity because she was such a big fan of hers. So jumping back to the year after Chris and Selena got married in 1993, Selena just continued to rise. Like she was really gaining a lot of popularity. In 1993, Selena won a Grammy Award for Best Mexican American Album for her album, Selena Live. And this was like, a big break for the family. This was the dream. I mean, they won a Grammy for crying out loud. This was really what they had been working towards this entire time. All those years of struggling were finally paying off. Abraham decided that he wanted to found an independent record label called Q Productions in 1993. And it was through this label that Selena y Los Dinos released their fourth studio album titled Amor Prohibido in 1994. This album contained some of Selena's most well-known hits. The album included Biddy Bitty Bum Bum, No Me Queda Mas, and of course the song that goes with the album title, Amor Prohibido, which means forbidden love. Now this album, I'm sure you guys all know Bitty Bitty Bum Bum. If you don't, where the hell you been? This album was huge and it went double platinum. Because of this, Selena won Tejano Music Award for Album of the Year and it got nominated for a Grammy. This became the first Tejano album to peak at number one on Billboard's Hot Latin Songs charts and remained in the top five for 98 weeks. 98 weeks, that's almost two years because there's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, that's almost two years, that's crazy. And this album became the best-selling Tejano album in history and it was produced by none other than her brother. AB was really good with music. Selena was just really being catapulted into a whole nother level of stardom. Now, even though Selena loved making music, her passion was for fashion. She designed all of the band's iconic outfits. She designed pretty much everything she wore. And let's not forget her signature bustier. And she really did what she could to stay true to her Mexican heritage with these designs. She wanted to be authentic. She wanted to be genuine. She didn't want to forget where she came from. So because Selena had such a passion for fashion, it felt only right that she opened a boutique because why not? So in 1994, Selena opened her first boutique in Corpus Christi and it was called Selena Etc. She sold clothes, jewelry, 
jewelry, and even offered salon services. She later went on to open two more locations, one in San Antonio and one in Monterey, Mexico. Now at this time, the Quintanilla family was closer than ever. The fame didn't change them. They spent so much time together and they continued to be just as close as they had been before. So much so that they all lived right next to each other with the exception of Suzette and her husband. But don't get me wrong, they were still very, very close. Abraham decided to buy three houses on the same street. AB and his wife lived in one house, Selena and Chris lived in another house, and Abraham and Marcella lived right in the middle. So they were very, very close. They spent so much time together, but Selena and Chris were really looking to kind of venture out on their own a little bit. So they decided to purchase a 10 acre piece of land to build a house on. And they would go out there and they would just envision what life would be like with their family. And they really wanted to have a farm as well. They had a lot of dreams as a young couple and I honestly think it was so cute. Now, as great as things were going for Chris and Selena and in Selena's life in general, there was one thing that really worried Chris specifically. And it was the fact that Selena was so trusting and accessible to her fans. As I said earlier, Selena didn't see herself as a celebrity. She never met a stranger. She never turned down an autograph or a picture. She was just always there for her fans. She made it seem like she was one of their friends. Not everybody is your friend. When you are reaching a certain level of fame, you do have to be a little bit inaccessible, not to be rude or mean or anything, but just for your own safety, because there's a lot of people that don't have your best interest at heart and will take advantage of you if you let them. This was something that Chris was worried about. He would tell Selena about it and she would just always say, oh, you know, I'm fine. And she just continued on with her career and all of her business ventures. Now, Selena was really into the boutique. She absolutely loved it, but she didn't always have time to manage it. I mean, she was still doing her music. So she had to find someone else to manage her boutiques as well as the money and the finances that went into it and the day-to-day -day operations. So she enlisted Yolanda to do that. Now at the time, Yolanda was just doing the fan club and Selena felt like she was the perfect person to manage the boutiques. And Yolanda was doing a lot. She had a lot of responsibility. She would write checks, she had access to the bank accounts and she even did the employees taxes. Selena and Yolanda became very, very close. I mean, Yolanda even had keys to her house. Sometimes Yolanda was a little bit creepy when it came to how much she liked Selena. She had a shrine of her on her wall in her apartment. It was like she was her number one fan. So it wasn't like they were just friends. It was like she was her fan. It was kind of creepy. She even started to become pretty possessive of Selena and she was almost gatekeeping. You had to go through her to get to Selena. She even wouldn't let her own father talk to her without going through her first or making an appointment. And he's like, girl, if you don't get out of my way. So she definitely became very possessive and a little bit obsessed with Selena. And she was warned by people close to her to watch out for Yolanda. I don't think Selena really knew what was going on behind the scenes. She really only paid attention to the front that Yolanda would put on for her. Everybody else that worked at the boutiques and worked closely with Yolanda were like, she's crazy. But Selena was just very trusting. She liked Yolanda. As I said, she always saw the best in everybody. And it was just really hard for her to see Yolanda as being anything other. Designer Martin Gomez, he worked with Selena in coming up with designs to sell at her boutique. So he spent a lot of time at the boutiques and he could not stand Yolanda. He claimed that she lied, she would steal, and she even sabotaged his work. According to Martin, he had returned from a business trip and the hems on one of his pieces were ripped out completely. He just 
just knew that Yolanda was the one who did it. Yolanda definitely had it out for Martin. He felt like she saw him as a threat to her relationship with Selena. So she did not like him at all. So Martin decided to quit. He was done. He was sick of Yolanda. He couldn't take it anymore. And his last phone call that he had with Selena was pretty much telling her to be careful. And this occurred just six weeks before her death. I don't know why Selena didn't think that if everybody was telling her this, that maybe she should listen or, you know, the fact that somebody quit because of Yolanda, I feel like that should have been a sign for her to maybe think, okay, there might be something going on here that I'm not seeing. But she continued to defend Yolanda. She felt like she was a sister to her and she just thought she was misunderstood. So by 1994, Selena decided that she really wanted to expand into the English market. And she started recording her first English album called Dreaming of You. Up to that point, she'd still been releasing Tejano music and she just wanted to do something a little bit different. In order to continue her meteoric rise to fame, Selena performed at the Houston Astrodome three years in a row from 1993 to 1995. Her first show at the Astrodome in 1993 was so successful, it actually broke an all-time attendance record at the time. And she drew over 66,994 people to the Houston Astrodome her final major performance was on February 26th, 1995 at once again, the Houston Astronome, and it was televised live. And this performance occurred just one month before her death. Now I wanna talk about this performance for a little bit, mainly because of what she was wearing. Now you all know, you all know, you cannot talk about Selena without talking about her iconic purple jumpsuit. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but this performance at the Houston Astrodome, her final live major performance was actually the one and only time she ever wore that purple jumpsuit. This was the first and last time. Now, she almost didn't wear it. We almost didn't get the iconic purple jumpsuit. To know that she only wore this outfit one time and she wore it so close to when she passed away, it honestly is like, wow, we almost didn't get the purple jumpsuit. What would have happened if we had never gotten in the purple jumpsuit. Imagine if she had decided to wear something else that night. Would that have become the iconic outfit? In March of 1995, Abraham was looking through some financial records when he noticed that there was a lot of money missing. Not to mention, he was getting calls from fan club members saying that they weren't receiving the merch that they had paid for. Abraham was like, okay, what the hell is going on? So he looks further into this and he discovers that there are over $60,000 missing from the fan club bank account. There's only one person that had the access to this on a day-to-day -day basis that would know where this money was. And that person was none other than Yolanda Saldivar. So on March 9th, 1995, Abraham, Selena, and Suzette decided to confront Yolanda about all of this missing money. There were missing receipts, there were forged checks, and these checks were written under the name Maria Alita, who was none other than Yolanda Saldivar's sister. And it was at this point that Abraham, Selena, and Suzette found out that Yolanda wasn't allowed to open a bank account due to a former issue with an employer. At the time she met Selena, she was working as a nurse and she had supposedly stolen money from a doctor she was working for. And because of this, she wasn't allowed to open a bank account. Because it was settled out of court, they didn't know that this had happened. This wasn't on her record. 
after Abraham found out all of this, Yolanda could not come up with a reason as to why this money was missing. She was fired. And Abraham even threatened to call the police. But Yolanda put up no fight. She was like, okay, I understand. And she left. This was very hard for Selena to even begin to imagine. They were so close. They were pretty much sisters at the time. She just couldn't believe that Yolanda would steal from her. She continued to keep in touch with her. I think it was just very hard for her to let Yolanda go. And she even still allowed her to to run the boutique location in Monterey, Mexico. Selena was so, so trusting, definitely to a fault. It was literally proof that Yolanda was stealing from them and yet she still let her run the boutique. The next day on March 10th, Selena decided to remove Yolanda's access to the boutique bank accounts and she even removed her as fan club president. The following day, Yolanda bought a 38 caliber handgun in San Antonio, Texas. She seemingly did this in response to Selena having her removed as fan club president, as well as taking away her access to the boutique bank accounts, which she was operating under her sister's name, which is very fraudulent, might I add. As tax season approached, Selena really needed documents from Yolanda in order to do her taxes. So she can't just completely cut ties with her just yet. Yolanda was very involved in a lot of the finances that had to do with Selena's businesses. It was gonna take some time to transfer all of that back over to somebody that they could actually trust wouldn't steal from them. So Selena decided to meet up with Yolanda on March 15th to get some documents that she needed. So they both meet up and they sit in Selena's car, but Yolanda didn't hand over all of the documents, which Selena didn't realize until she left. And looking back, investigators think that Yolanda did this on purpose. So she would keep having reasons to see Selena. So while they sat in the car, Yolanda actually showed Selena the gun that she had bought. And she was like, what the hell? No, you need to return that. You don't need a gun. What are you doing? That's crazy. Yolanda actually listened to her and she returned the gun before buying it again on March 26th, four days before they met up for the second time. On the night of March 30th, Yolanda was staying at the Days Inn Motel in Corpus Christi and Selena went to meet back up with her to get more documents. Chris actually drove her because he didn't want her to go alone. No one trusted Yolanda at all. They didn't trust her alone with Selena. So he was like, I'm going to take you. We're going to go together. But Yolanda told her to come alone. And Chris was like, fuck no, I'm going with you. So once Selena gets back in the car, she realizes that once again, Yolanda didn't give her all of the documents she needed, but she just decided to go home and said she would come back tomorrow. So the following morning, March 31st, Selena decides to return to the Days Inn Motel by herself. Chris was half asleep. She didn't want to wake him. So she just decided to go by herself and get the documents really quick. And then she was going to come right back. So Selena goes back to the Days Inn Motel and Yolanda tells her that she was raped during a trip to Monterey, Mexico. And around 9 a.m., Selena decided to take her to the hospital to get a rape kit performed. But Texas law states that if you're not a resident of that specific town, an exam cannot be performed on you. Even though they were in Corpus Christi, Yolanda Yolanda was a resident of San Antonio and the rape was said to have occurred outside of the US. So because of this, she couldn't get a rape kit performed. So they kind of just listened to her statement and looked at her injuries, but the nurses as well as Selena noticed that Yolanda's statements were pretty inconsistent. And they also felt like her injuries weren't indicative of an attack. Around
around 10 a.m., AB decided to call Chris to find out where Selena was because she was supposed to be at the studio with him to record and she was late. Chris says, I'll call her. So he calls Selena and lets her know, hey, you're supposed to be at this studio with AB recording. Where are you? This was when Selena was at the hospital with Yolanda waiting for her. So Selena says she forgot. She's just trying to take care of some stuff and that she would be there soon. And this was the last time Chris and Selena ever spoke. Once it was determined that Yolanda most likely was lying about being a assaulted in Mexico, her and Selena go back to the Days Inn Motel and they enter room 158, which is where Yolanda was staying. And finally, she gives Selena the rest of the documents that she had been looking for. I mean, she had been stalling this entire time. She was purposely not giving her all of the documents so she could see her one more time. And Selena was fed up. And it was at this point that she officially cut all ties with Yolanda. Yolanda had actually bought Selena an egg ring with company funds, by the way, and she took the ring off and went to give it to Yolanda. And this was very symbolic of her just saying, you know what, I'm finished, we're done, this is it. And in that moment, Yolanda panicked and just saw the person that she revered and honored and was obsessed with pretty much leaving her and was done with her, just cutting all ties with her. So Yolanda decides to pull out her 38 caliber gun that Selena had told her to return. And as Selena turned to run and leave, she was shot in the back of her upper shoulder one time. The shot caused Selena to hit the door. And as it opened, she ran out of Yolanda's room and through the lawn outside to go get help. A hotel employee recounted hearing Yolanda scream, bitch as she chased Selena. As Selena was running away from Yolanda, she dropped her briefcase and her cell phone on the way. And she ran to the lobby and Yolanda, with the gun still in her hand, decided to return to her room. At 11.50 a.m., hotel employee Barbara Schultz called 911. And I'm gonna play that call for you here. So when Selena ran into the lobby, she reported that she had been shot by someone in room 158 and her name was Yolanda. And these were actually Selena's last words before becoming unconscious. Her eyes rolled back in her head and she could no longer speak. People were reporting that Yolanda was actually trying to escape. The ambulance arrived about two minutes after the call was placed and paramedic Richard Fredrickson was one of the first to arrive on the scene and he could tell immediately that it was too late. Selena had lost so much blood. She was rushed to the Corpus Christi Memorial Hospital, but the medics on the way there couldn't even give her an IV because her veins had collapsed because of how much blood she had lost. And it was at this point that she really had no pulse. Once she got to the hospital, doctors gave Selena blood transfusions in order to make up for the amount of blood that she had lost. She had massive internal bleeding and her veins were pretty much empty. Doctors found out that she was losing so much blood so quickly because the bullet had severed a major artery. And the more blood they gave Selena and the more they tried to get her heart to beat, the more blood they were actually pumping out of her chest. Doctors tried for almost an hour to save her, but 
all attempts were unsuccessful. And on March 31st, 1995, just two days before her and Chris's third wedding anniversary and two weeks before her 24th birthday, Selena was pronounced dead at 1.05 p.m. and she was only 23 years old. This was something that no one expected to happen to Selena because she was just such a light. Who would have thought that somebody so amazing would gain any enemies at all? But Yolanda was just jealous and possessive and crazy. Now, at this point, Selena's family was already at the hospital and they were informed that she had passed away. They were absolutely devastated. As I've been saying, they were extremely tight-knit. They did everything together. They worked together. They lived right next to each other. They literally could not have been closer. The Tejano community was also extremely devastated considering the fact that Selena really put Tejano music on the map. She was a pioneer and a trailblazer. There really was no lane for women in that specific genre of music, but she created one. So there was a huge outpouring of grief from her fans. Selena's autopsy was released and it was found that she was shot in the back right shoulder with a 38 caliber revolver and the bullet exited through her right upper chest. So this means that her back was turned when she was shot, which is just the ultimate betrayal. The bullet severed her subclavian artery in half, which as I said earlier, is what caused her major blood loss and caused her to go into cardiac arrest. And one of the most horribly ironic parts of this whole thing is the fact that Selena was actually in great health otherwise. She had very high functioning organs according to the medical examiner and had this not happened to her, she could have continued living a long, amazing life that was so selfishly and tragically cut short by somebody that was supposed to be her friend. Yolanda was trying to flee the hotel in her red 1994 GMC pickup truck, but she wasn't able to get out of the parking lot. She was spotted by police almost instantly. Thanks to the people who called 911, they were very quick and they blocked her into the parking lot. Yolanda got pretty desperate, didn't know what to do, so she decided to put a gun to her head and threatened to kill herself. She spoke on the phone to hostage negotiator Larry Rucker Young, and he was brought in to calm the situation and make sure that she wouldn't commit suicide. At this time, there were a lot of people on scene, there were a lot of news cameras, and no one wanted her to do this on live television. And he talked to Yolanda for seven and a half hours. And I'm gonna put in some audio for you here because it's honestly very interesting to listen to. No, I'm gonna kill myself. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to get out of this. Yolanda, do you have a gun on the truck? How did you my head? No, don't do that, Yolanda. Point the gun down. Lay the gun on the floor. I can't. In case you didn't catch too much of that, Yolanda says that she has a gun pointed to her head and Larry's telling her to put the gun down and put it on the floor, to which she responds with, I can't. Some of the audio isn't that great, but she was saying things like, I don't deserve to live. Look what I did to my best friend. I face so much criticism. She was saying that she didn't have the nerve to pull the trigger. But I'm like, okay, you don't have the nerve to pull the trigger on yourself understandable. But you had the nerve to pull the trigger on your best friend and you didn't really think twice about it and you tried multiple times. A lot of people argue that the other two times that Yolanda met up with Selena were the times that she was going to kill her, but those attempts weren't successful because she came with Chris. The standoff lasted for nine hours and eventually Yolanda gave up and she was arrested and charged with first degree murder. And it was at this point when she was first arrested that she found out that Selena 
had passed away. Of course, she pled not guilty and claimed that she shot Selena by accident. But why did you pull the gun out in the first place if it was an accident? Yolanda claimed that when she first pulled the gun out, she was trying to shoot herself. But when she pointed it at Selena, it accidentally went off and shot her instead. But this doesn't make any sense. Guns don't just go off. Somebody has to pull the trigger. And the maid that recalled hearing Yolanda scream bitch as she chased after Selena, still holding the gun, made it pretty clear that it wasn't an accident. If anything, she may have been trying to shoot her again. If it was an accident, why didn't you drop the gun and call 911 immediately? Why did you continue to chase after her while you were still holding it? Stands to reason that this was not an accident, that this was probably intentional. The jury deliberated for three hours and on October 23rd, 1995, Yolanda was found guilty of first degree murder. Three days later, she was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 30 years. She will be eligible for parole in 2025, which is only in two years. And if you know me, I'm sure you've definitely heard me say this. I already said I'm taking a trip out there and I'm going to that damn courthouse with a fucking sign. Honestly, I think she's safer in prison. Selena has become much more popular since she's passed away. So I don't even think it will be safe for Yolanda to get out of prison. And if she does, she's gonna have to go somewhere. Like, I don't even know. She's gonna have to go to like Antarctica. She's currently serving her life sentence at the Mountain View Unit, which is a maximum security women's prison in Gatesville, Texas. Now, since Yolanda has been incarcerated, she's done a lot of interviews, which honestly pisses me off. I understand people wanna know about what her state of mind is or what she has to say about what happened, but she really doesn't give a whole lot of information in these interviews. Granted, she did have an appeal in process to overturn her conviction, so there probably wasn't much she wanted to speak on anyway, but she just seemed to be very smug. She didn't seem like she felt bad at all. It almost seemed like she was enjoying the attention she was getting, killing somebody that was so loved and so popular, which to me is honestly disgusting. I mean, this was your friend and you don't even seem like you feel bad at all. Selena's funeral was held on April 3rd, 1995, and she was buried at the Seaside Memorial Cemetery. She had white roses on her casket because these were her favorite flowers. She absolutely loved white roses. Her family decided to have a public memorial viewing before her funeral, and over 60,000 fans showed up to pay their respects. Now, there was a rumor started that Selena's body wasn't actually in the casket. So her family decided to open the casket to dispel these rumors. They didn't want that to be the final word going around regarding Selena's death. Now, Selena was recording her English album, Dreaming of You, right before she passed away. And it's so sad that she wasn't able to see this come to fruition. She wasn't able to see the success that she could have made in the English market. Her family decided to release her album four months after her death. Now, it wasn't finished, so they decided to add a few of her other songs that were Spanish on there just to finish the album out. And this became the best-selling Latin album of all time. It debuted at number one on Billboard 200, which was a first for a Latin artist. This album sold over 3 million copies and went platinum 59 times. 
So even though Selena wasn't able to live to see her success, I honestly think she would be so proud to see just how much we loved her album. This had Dreaming of You on it. This had I Could Fall In Love. Just her most iconic songs that we all love. I love I Could Fall In Love. It's honestly, I think one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And the fact that she wasn't able to see the public's reaction to it is really heartbreaking, but I'm sure she's looking down on us. On April 16th of 1995, what would have been Selena's 24th birthday, the governor of Texas, who was actually former President George Bush, declared her birthday Selena Day in Texas every year. The Quintanilla family decided to start the Selena Foundation in May of 1995 in her honor, which was designed to help children in crisis. As you all know, the iconic Selena movie was released in March of 1997, two years after her death. And this movie was an adaptation of Selena's life and it starred none other than J-Lo. And J-Lo was iconic in this movie. This was her breakout role. Starring in this movie actually inspired her to start her own music music career. In May of 1997, the Mirador de la Flor monument was created in Selena's likeness to honor her and it gets around 30,000 visitors a year. In 1998, Selena's family decided to turn their original record label location into a museum memorializing Selena and it showcases her most iconic outfits as well as memorabilia from her life, including her car, the Grammy that she won, her gold and platinum records, as well as a microphone that still has her red lipstick on it. In 2015, Selena's family decided to start a music festival called Fiesta de la Flor. And this is an annual music festival and convention that was held in Corpus Christi designed to honor Selena. And it actually ended, unfortunately, in 2019. They haven't said why they ended it, but it only went on for four years, which is honestly quite a shame. I think that it could have gone on for much, much longer. Unfortunately, I was never able to go. I really wanted to, but I was in school at the time. It wasn't as easy for me but I would have loved to have gone to the Fiesta de la Flor. On November 3rd, 2017, Selena received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, Selena wasn't as popular before she died as she was after she died, which is usually how it goes. I just hate that we didn't get to see what she could have become. In December of 2020, Selena the series was released on Netflix, starring Christian Serratos, who played Selena. And if you don't know who that is, she played Susie Crabgrass in Ned's Declassified, who was Ned's love interest and crush. Definitely major nostalgia when I was watching that because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Susie Crabgrass. This was a two-part series, and the first part was released in December of 2020, and the second part was released in May of 2021. Now, that series received a lot of mixed reviews. I personally liked it just because I like anything that has to do with Selena. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix or not, but if it is, you should go watch it. So a lot of people may be wondering what Selena's family is doing today. Suzette runs Q Productions and the Selena Museum over in Corpus Christi. Abraham continues to produce artists through Q Productions and he and Marcella actually manage the Selena Foundation. AB still makes his own music and produces for others. As I said, he's an extremely talented artist. He created some of Selena's biggest hits. Chris remarried in 2001 to a woman named Vanessa Villanueva, and they had two children together named Noah and Cassie. Unfortunately, they divorced in 2008 after seven years of marriage because Chris still wasn't over Selena. He wrote a book in 2012 called To Selena With Love, which I actually have, and I've cried maybe three or four times reading it because you can tell just how much he loved her, and the fact that he lost her in such a tragic way breaks my heart. 
Chris also continues to make music and play guitar. This case is probably one of the most frustrating to me because it was so senseless. Yolanda is one of the most selfish people I think I've ever read about or heard about through all of my research. Selena was so promising. She was a bright young star. And the fact that Yolanda was so jealous of her because she couldn't have her anymore in a weird way, she decided to kill her and take her from her family, from her husband and from her fans. It's just so sad. I just, I hate it. I hate it. It just frustrates the hell out of me. I really want to end this episode with a quote from Selena and she says, quote, I want to be remembered not only as an entertainer, but as a person who cared a lot. And I gave the best that I could. I tried to be the best role model that I possibly could end quote. And I honestly think that she was successful in this. I personally view Selena that way just from the things that I've seen about her, things I've read about her, videos, just looking at the way she operated as a person. I definitely think that she was somebody who cared a lot and was very, very genuine. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode that means so much to me. I don't know why I haven't recorded this sooner, but I'm very glad that I have now. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to see you in the water soon.